Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome back to our Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch, Season 2. Hunter, there is far more to this than we realized. Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is CT0831, but you can call me Hugs. And this is our Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 11, titled Metamorphosis. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so and then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before our ship gets completely obliterated by a secret asset to the Empire, let me introduce you to our experimental crew of ragtag troopers. First up, finally joining us after being MIA all this season. He's taller than a Jawa, smaller than Jabba, and just as entertaining as Jaja. He's CT1231, also known as Edit. Hey, listen, I'm like, Echo, I'm just off doing another mission. You know, I got my hands full right now. <laughs> what hands I have if I'm Echo, because I, I know he doesn't really have uh, too many hands. But, oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> okay, Ouch. you know what? Don't be, don't be. Oh, I Justin, missed my right batches, batch. though. I definitely missed my batches, so I'm yeah. glad to be we missed you. this episode. Oh, Megan was crying when you were gone. Oh, we Megan. So, so much. <laughs> so sad. Uh, next up, he's dropping in from the sky, way up. <laughs> Hi, he's the dopest, dankest dude on Dagobah, CT-1006, but you can call him Joints. Ahoy, hoy. Ahoy, hoy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It feels like it's been so long since I last said that. <laughs> it's it feels, it's been a week. <laughs> it feels like it's been a while since we've heard the ahoy, hoy, hoyin' in. Um, but listen, rounding out our small battalion, we are sar, sar, sar glad to have a true friend and war hero joining us. And her name is CT0118, but you can call her Brushstroke. How you doing, Omegan? I'm always doing so good. <laughs> so good. Bit of a, like a, a, a scarier episode this week. Yeah. But you know what? I, I don't want to call it a, an episode of the week. I think this was a little more elevated than that. This For impacts sure. mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> it yeah, raises a I'm lot stoked. of questions, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, stoked mm-hmm. to break it. Finally, <laughs> I think I think we got the new big bad. Now that Rampart's been kind of shoved aside, we now know who to who the real villain is. I guess. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Well, we'll we'll get into that. We'll talk about uh, that character and all the incredible things that happened. Um, <laughs> but listen, before we unleash the beast, let's get to this week's episode. The episode starts off with eerie music playing as a transport freighter comes out of hyperspace looking completely torn up and smoking all over. Lights are flickering. Uh, We hear a muffled scream uh, and the ship seems pretty much completely empty except for one single stormtrooper running for his life through the engine room. Uh, The suspense builds and a mysterious creature pulls the trooper into the darkness as we hear another fading scream uh i'm gonna just quickly do a correction here clone commando i think is what i meant to write um which shout out to clone commandos are you kidding me that helmet design shout out to republic commando on the original xbox that was like if halo and and star wars had a baby and it was incredible (laughs) Um, probably one of the best star wars first person shooters i think ever um it's honestly so good but listen definitely got some uh some horror movie vibes can Mm -hmm. we talk about this intro what did you think of the tone the feeling what did what did you think of the scene yeah, I think right off the bat, I, you know, it's nice that this episode kind of plays with genre a little bit more. I know that mm-hmm. we've kind of gotten trickles of that throughout, but really this is where we get to see the monster movie, the horror-esque vibe, uh, the suspense, you know, things in the shadows, if you will. Um, so I I've, I loved that part. I, I think it really does set the tone and, and as you said, kind of elevates the episode a little bit more uh, given the stakes that we will unravel as, as we go through. But yeah, it was it was it was a vibe of its own. And, and I like that, you know, again, they can sprinkle in these, you know, genre tropes into the episode if it makes sense. And, and here 
yeah. it definitely did make sense. Mm-hmm. I was getting mad alien vibes. I mean, you yes. have an alien loose on a ship that's you know breaking down in space. That's of course the first place your mind goes. And like that movie, this this whole episode really uses the shadows so well, like we've talked about before. But again, building that suspense and horror where you don't really see the monster until it's too late. It's that's great. I loved it. Yeah, I think that's very much the inspiration, though, Darcy. I think you hit it on the head there. I think it's aliens for sure, because there were definitely a lot of that. Even the the design of of the creature that when we we see it has very much an alien esque look to it. So I think that's mm-hmm. very fitting. Totally, and it's with this intro, I keep reminding myself that this season is is really standing up to what we felt last season and the moments that felt sort of childish and, um, you know, uh, oh my God, I'm forgetting the word, expositional. And we're getting these moments that are a little scary and a little intense. Mm-hmm. And it it feels more exciting to watch than a lot of the episodes from season one. So I love that this kind of impact happened right off the bat and we were, you know, shot into this episode with such an intense start. Yeah, it feels like they they sort of <clears throat> heard a lot of the feedback I think from season 1 and we we found that with with a lot of like with any of these Star Wars series, right? The it's it always seems to be that yeah, the season 2, they do listen to fans, they do start to give us a little bit more of what we want and I think that's mm-hmm. definitely the case with this opening. Um it makes me really want an animated Star Wars Halloween special. <laughs> like we already know that they have Life Day. I just think it would be sick if it was like something centered around the Sith or the dark side of the force or just like a, just a scary monster movie in Star Wars, I think would be really, really fun. Even if it's just like, you know, half an hour, 20 minutes, just an animated thing. Um, I got Dead Space vibes, which mm. Megan is oh, a video yeah, game totally. you will you'll never play. No, nope. uh, <laughs> so don't even look it, look it up. Um, but anyone who knows Dead Space, like that's kind of what I was yeah. getting from this as well as along I with Alien. Um, but yeah, man, like I would I would love even if it was just a group of of these sort of these Republic commandos, like going through uh, a, a dark you know, abandoned ship, kind of like what yeah. this episode opening gave us. But like, uh-huh. give us that story. Give us yeah. the give us the 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 hour before what you know where we come in here. Um, I would, oh, I'd love it. I'd love I it. I could see that. I could see that being like an episode of The Mandalorian. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Like something like that. But maybe to your point, it's a little bit more siloed as like a a special presentation. Like Marvel's already dabbling in yeah. that. You know, maybe they they do something in that realm. But yeah, I think it it goes without saying that they, you know, you were saying that they they listen to feedback. I don't even know like how they would get that feedback or if that if that is something that would be shared. As much as just learning. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. learning from from how the story was structured. You know, once you have all these episodes out and you can look at them, I think even as a creative team, you can kind of do a debrief and and say, what can we do differently? How could we approach it differently to help stretch out the story? Because maybe they saw the same things that we saw. Um, It's hard to say how much of it is is actual fan feedback. Because I know- You got to imagine their opening- yeah, I mean, I mean, they might not be listening. Dave, if you're listening to the podcast, let us know. But, but I mean, like, they might not be actually. Um, you know, they're they're definitely opening up their web browsers the minute. You know, they're opening up Twitter the minute these episodes go sure. live. They're probably. So yeah, I'm, they're probably. I'm sure they're that. they're taking some feedback from there. Uh, but let's let's keep going here. Um, continuing into the episode, we follow three Lambda shuttles and what looks like another. <laughs> one of the same transport freighters that we saw just just in the beginning of the episode there. Uh, and they arrive at the Empire cloning facility at Mount Tantis on Wayland. Uh, one of the shuttles reveals Dr. Hemlock uh, ordering the other scientists to retrieve the assets from the ships. Dr. Hemlock enters the building, uh, sorry, enters the holding cells uh, to have a discussion with Nala Say, attempting to persuade her to continue her research for the Empire. She is quick to shut him down as the Empire destroyed her home, but the doctor isn't afraid to threaten Nala Say to get what he needs. Their discussion is interrupted by Assistant Emery, who informs the doctor that the communication uh, was lost with Transport 904, which was the ship that we saw in the intro. Dr. Hemlock orders they recover the ship and the asset that came with it before asking if Nala Say was the only Kaminoan to be spared during the destruction of Topoka City. Emery informs the doctor that also Prime Minister Lama Su is in Imperial custody, but the doctor would like to speak to him personally. So before we move on, um, did you have, you know, we're obviously going to talk about 
what the actual asset is. Let's let's hold off on that for now. But did you have any thought as to what this asset could be? Did you have any alternative ideas as to what it might be? And what did you think of the good Dr. Hemlock? Well, I had no alternatives of what it could be. I didn't even know what it was. It just looked creepy. Um, but what was really interesting, though, about this whole scene that you described is the interaction between Hamlock and uh, Nalase. And, you know, you said the Empire, but he specifically referenced the Emperor. Uh, and and I, think, I think that that's very much a nice reveal here for, for us to understand that the work that they're doing in the world of cloning isn't for the empire it's for the emperor and it is for mm. his purpose and for him to use and you know she even says i know what he's trying to do and you know given where we will end up in you know the rise of skywalker i feel like this animated series is doing a better job at explaining how palpatine <laughs> was able to clone himself than the rise of skywalker thank you dave Filoni. Uh, <laughs> yes yeah. exactly Always. which but again it's 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 that nugget in in the rise of skywalker that gives like a spark inside of Filoni's head to say, well, I could, in I could introduce that in the Mandalorian. I could introduce that here in the Bad Batch because it is about the sort of transition from clones to, to stormtroopers. So I think we get a lot out of this interaction between Hemlock and Nalase because it does really show that this isn't for any other purpose. It's not for the Empire. It's for the Emperor more than anything. Yeah, I, I I completely see that as well. And I love that. That's a great shout out in the sense that we know that, you know, we, we know what he's working on. We've I've consistently been theorizing throughout the season. Um, and I, I thought that it could have been like like a, a pre-Snoke, like a Snoke that was sure. not Snoke, like a monster version of Snoke. Uh, and I was excited for that. And I, listen, I'm really happy with what we got and we'll get to that. Um, but I remember, you know, in season one, in our, in our watch club, we talked about that abandoned facility in the sky and mm -hmm. those deformed things and all the tubes that Omega saw, <laughs> uh, bringing back the word tubes. Uh, and it seems like Dr. Hemlock has known Nalase for quite some time. Yeah. So, you know, these plans have been in development for longer than we know. Dave Filoni seems to have been putting these seeds all the way back then. And I think we kind of, I think I remember yeah, speculating we, a little bit on we this, We were right? speculating. We were, we were speculating that, like, and we thought it was interesting how in the Bad Batch here, as well as, like, The Mandalorian, two projects that he's, he's, he's working on, there is such an apparency of, of talking about cloning beyond the clones, right? Like right. The, the idea that cloning still exists, but it's now more of a secretive thing, right? It's it's more of a, a special project for the emperor. Um, and I think, again, that just, you know, J.J. Abrams in The Rise of Skywalker just says, yep, he's, he's a clone. He's a clone. That Snoke <laughs> was a clone and they was just all failed clones. And it's like there's not much explanation. And I think that was a big a big miss mm -hmm. uh, on on that in that trilogy to kind of help explain that. But that said, it, it, it is nice to see that these other shows are going to kind of dabble in that and maybe give a little bit more explanation. And we'll never know if it was a miss or if it was planned all along. <laughs> we'll yeah. never know. They'll never tell us, but that's okay. Yeah. I mean, it makes total sense that the Empire has such an interest in Kaminoan technology. Their they, their whole race, you know, depends on the technology of cloning. So if you're gonna, you know, steal someone's ideas, in almost Edison style, who better to turn to than the planet based around that whole concept? So it makes a lot of sense. I mean, personally, the the asset when I first heard it, and again, we didn't see much in that opening trailer. I'm wondering if this was like maybe one of those type failed cloning experiments where they took a mm. clone and tried kind of merging some other aliens DNA in it and it went wrong or something like that. So it was, it definitely had my gears running and where they, they ended up with the end of the story. I'm still curious as to see how this is going to tie back to that whole grand cloning scheme of his. Yeah, totally. I, I was also thinking back to like clone wars and the type of creatures that we saw throughout that series and what they could possibly need from a creature why would they clone it because it obviously doesn't have the um i guess intelligence to be something like a snoke but would they meld that with some sort of creature that's maybe stronger more aggressive with mm -hmm. an intelligent being that would be a super cool concept my initial thought because of the sounds was um there was an episode of clone wars where Anakin and Obi-Wan get stuck in a cave without their lightsabers and there's this like 
tiger thing <laughs> that chases mm. them around. I can't remember what it looks like or what it's called. But uh, it sounded similar, so I sort of got those vibes. An, are you talking about a Nexu, like the thing from Attack of the Clones? Maybe. Do you know what I'm talking about with the teeth? Could have been did, one of Was those. it kind of like a saber tooth looking thing? Uh, there's... Oh no! Wait, there's there. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. I search tiger I, there's clone so wars. many creatures out there. It could have been anything. Yeah. I'm stoked about what it turned out to be, but we'll talk about right. that more later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, can I also give a shout out to Jimmy Simpson, who plays yes. Doctor Hemlock? Yes, perfectly. Um, man in hat in Westworld. Uh, he has a name, but I'm not going to spoil that for those who don't watch Westworld. Um, and then also, he's in Black Mirror such an intriguing voice like I instantly recognized him I was like oh let's go like mm-hmm. like they're pulling in some of these voice actors and I'm just so happy with they're them. actors they're like they're yes. more actors oh, than yeah. they are voice actors right this is giving them that that flexibility to to do that and I think that that's that's intelligent casting do you know what I mean mm-hmm. like you you definitely want to collaborate with voice actors but it is great to bring in actors that that can 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 do that you want to have a mix of it and I think that you know Jimmy Simpson is is a great performance in this role for for Hemlock it it, it feels mm-hmm. you know sadistic totally yeah. I think that's Ooh, good that's the good thing about the actors they're choosing to hire that are mm-hmm. not necessarily forefront voice actors but they right. give a really incredible voice acting voice, performance yeah. they Formans, they're yeah. not just themselves you know when we watch um mm-hmm. the marvel's what if series and you get yes. sebastian stan doing a voice acting he's really just being sebastian stan but a little more elevated whereas like jimmy simpson is giving us dr hemlock and you don't yeah. mm-hmm. you recognize the voice but he becomes this character with that voice yeah. which is super cool it's p- performance okay now speaking sure, yeah. of voices and this might be my 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 big batchy brain going crazy <laughs> and i'm not even going to wait for any sort of prediction segment or anything like that oh, um, but is it just me <laughs> or does emery sound a lot like omega uh, she has the New Zealand accent. Mm-hmm. And listen, I understand that other people can have a New Zealand accent. I completely get that. They don't have to be Omega or a clone of Omega or whatever. But in Star Wars, so far, the only ones that have that accent have been clones. So why does she have that accent? Anybody going to debunk this for me right away? I mean, there's a whole planet out there where everyone speaks like that. Like Boba Fett isn't the only one in the galaxy who has a New <laughs> Zealand accent. Okay, what That's planet? Not... Name it right now, Darcy. I don't know. We haven't seen it. Maybe that's New Zealand. The, sh- the show will lead New Zealand, the planet of New Zealand <laughs> in the outer rim. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Is she's she's part of the cloning. Facility. I get where you're going. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. is it is it possible that, that she seems... Omega wasn't the only female clone? Well, so she also would this be the alpha instead of Boba being the alpha. Like maybe Boba was saying. a beta or something like that, or completely separate. I don't know. Boba's it's definitely maybe. a beta. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be, <laughs> I I do think though that there's a sense of either remorse or compassion from her, especially yeah, right? how she lingers uh, outside of the cell as Hamlet leaves. Um, I think she's maybe a bit conflicted. I don't know. I know that was just a moment, mm-hmm. but she, you know she looks. You know, she looks back into the cell and, and she just has like a very sort of empathetic face on, on her. So. Because what if Nala Say raised her? <laughs> or what if she respects Nala Say? Like, I think yeah. I think the idea she respects the science, you know, she respects mm-hmm. what it is. And she understands what's what's happening here is sort of stealing that that knowledge and that. I guess the science of that and, and mm-hmm. robbing this people their, their, of their culture, which is, as you guys have pointed out, is it's not just it's not just a, a, a thing that they do. It's it's a way of living mm-hmm. and For life them, yeah. and, and it, it, it's it's integral. So, you know, I think she's I think she's just we're seeing a little bit of remorse. Yeah. They also gave her character a name. So maybe that means she means something. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's... Why wouldn't you have just Michelle Ang voice her then as well? Because it, she is a different voice actress. So, but is mm. Michelle Ang a voice thing. actor, or is mm. she just because you guys have said when you heard her speak normally, she just kind of sounds like Omega? She's obviously putting on a little bit of a younger voice, but is she a voice actor that could pull out a totally different voice just with the same accent? For I mean, like, are they trying to fool us? 
I'm hanging out with <laughs> Bradley Baker. I feel like you would pick up a trick or two for yeah. putting on different voices with the same accent. That's yeah. just well, she's, she's my head. <laughs> she is an actress by trade, is what yeah. she's what she goes by. So do what you will will with that. But I, I think that if if anything, if if they're planting a seed that she's more rooted or connected, I don't know if there's enough here to go off of other than just her accent. Because uh, I do know that they do cast they do cast uh, quite a bit out of of New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with with variety of actors and actresses. Yeah, well, I, I can't recall. Um, <laughs> yeah. But let's get let's get back to the <laughs> let's get back to the batch. Uh, we join our crew and the Marauder in hyperspace during a hologram meeting with Sid. Uh, which in the future, when hologram meetings become a thing, that's how I want us to do these podcasts: <laughs> is just over hologram meetings. Um, Jedi Council, dude, it's gonna happen. <laughs> I'm so stoked. Uh, anyways, they're in a hologram meeting with Sid, and Omega is giving Sid an earful after she left them stranded on that deserted planet. Sid offers up a new tip uh, and their their standard uh, and their standard cut of pay, to which the batch has other ideas. As Sid tries to give them unreasonable raises, Omega and Wrecker look to Hunter for approval. The crew debates whether or not they'd go back to Sid in general. Uh, the limited intel worries the crew, but with Omega's positive outlook, off they go. Arriving at the crash site, there's an eerie vibe in the quiet of night. The Bad Batch approach with the flash with their flashlights drawn, uh, and Tech analyzes the crew aboard must have perished. They enter the ship to check for, for the loot as well as for, for survivors, only to find abandoned weapons and some pretty brutal scratches that definitely weren't made by a human. Tech splits from the group to restore power uh, and check the data records on the bridge, leaving Omega concerned for his well-being, even though it's obviously unnecessary to worry about Tech. Uh, as the three remaining <laughs> continue deeper into the ship, they come upon a lab that resembles the Kaminoan cloning technology, though it's unlike anything Omega is familiar with. Back with Tech, strange sounds give him a sense of unease, when suddenly a zombie droid pops out of the wall shouting, Danger! until conking out for good. In the lab, Wrecker discovers some icky, icky goo uh, to go along with the scrapes on the wall, which looks to be, uh, look, which the wall looks to be reinforced. And they realize whatever did this to the ship is very much still on board. A ship-eating monster with electricity pulsing in its mouth approaches and the real adventure begins. After an attempt at fighting off the mysterious monster, the team ends up on either side of it, while the creature is sucking the energy out of the ship's generator. Wrecker notices the monster seems to be changing. Okay, Batches, so things just got a little bit crazy here. Uh, I want to know, first, let's just talk about this Kaminoan, Kaminoan, it's hard to say, <laughs> Kaminoan cloning technology. Uh, what did you think? You know, we've seen different cloning tech before, um, but what did you think of uh, this instance? Well, this must be the science team that the Emperor's put together that is using Kaminoan uh, technology for, for these new purposes, um, which makes me believe that the creature that was there, he must be a clone. They, they must have effectively cloned that creature and then it, it got out um, is what mm -hmm. is what I my suspicion is. And that's why they want that asset back so badly is so that they can analyze it. Um, but that said, yeah, I think that the the tech itself, again, is just another layer of of this mystery uh as we learn that you know there's going to be more cloning happening <laughs> you know what i mean there's going to be more things that they're going to clone yeah like we've seen we've seen different cloning tech before omega's seen different cloning tech before um but obviously she didn't recognize this stuff so i think you're absolutely right justin it is absolutely uh specific to the the empire because again we did have that facility in the sky as i mentioned earlier um, but yeah, she, she would have recognized, I think she would have recognized it from that moment. That was a pretty traumatic moment for Omega, um, being abducted and all and having two bounty hunters fighting over you. Um, so I would assume that she would have recognized it if it was from that Kaminoan, uh, side of things. Well, and I guess everything that they dealt with in Kapoka, Kapoka, Topoka City, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, everything, Everything that she was familiar with in Topoka City would have had to do with cloning soldiers because that was the whole operation there. So mm -hmm. we're obviously finding out that they're building new technology and different technology dependent on what it is they're trying to clone. You know, it's not necessarily more soldiers. It's 
obviously something quite different. So um, I think it'll be interesting to maybe dive further into that side of things and maybe we'll get to visit, you know, Mount Tantus. Is that what it's called? More often in the next few series. And I think they hinted at it at the Mandalorian. So I'm intrigued. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is 100% a beast, uh, a clone of the the beast from the Clone Wars because Mm -hmm. at the end of that episode, Palpatine is like, clone it. So... This this whole thing is just a payoff that's been waiting that Filoni's been waiting for, and I gotta say it is an excellent way to tie off that storyline storyline that they they set up so many years ago. So again, it is yeah, hundred percent a clone, and I I can't wait to see what this means in the greater scheme of things because clearly he's been working on this whole cloning backstory thing outside of Topoca City for some time, and and I hope that the rest of this season deals with how long and and why type thing. It's it's so so exciting. So good. So good. Let's keep going here. The creature escapes the ship after Tech destroys the generator and runs into the woods in the direction of the nearby village. Figuring the creature uh, most likely ate the crew, Tech assumes the creature isn't a danger to the residents because it's no longer hungry. Uh, But Hunter insists that they find out what species they're dealing with and how to stop it. And I love that moment when Tech is just like, it ate the crew and Omega's just like, it ate the crew. <laughs> like she's so shocked <laughs> and, by that. It's like it ate and the crew. Wrecker's, and Wrecker's like, "Come on, man! You, we, there's a kid here. Yeah. Yeah. It's so scary." <laughs> it's just. It's again. She's not used to to text bluntness whatsoever. Uh, but she offers to help him uh, since she understands the technology inside. Hunter and Wrecker split off to hunt the creature down and chase it from the Marauder above. Tech attempts to download the overly encrypted data while Omega shares her limited knowledge of the machinery, stating that Nala Say kept a lot, f- uh, a lot of this from her, but she assumed this research was happening off-world. In the woods, the creature happens upon a power plant, of course, uh, and starts absorbing slash eating all the electricity. Yum, yum, yum. Tech discovers the designs on board were uh, to utilize the genetic material of this creature for modifying armor plating, uh, making sense of their ineffectiveness against it. Uh, The information also reveals that the creature's ability to feed off electricity, as we just witnessed, uh, allows it to get bigger, much bigger. When Hunter and Wrecker approach the creature, Tech is already informing them of their discovery, and the monster, uh, apparently the monster is the same species, like Darcy just mentioned, uh, that attacked Coruscant during the Clone War. He warns them not to allow it near the power grid from behind uh, a cloud of smoke. They see it at the power grid, uh, and it is a Zillow beast. So Clone Wars shout out. This is this is all you got to do, Dave. Five <laughs> out of fives from everyone, apparently, because you got a Clone Wars thing. You did it. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, obviously this is a, a really, uh, this. I think this was a pretty big reveal. Uh, I know for some of us here are huge fans of the Zillow Beast. Megan, I know you got a Zillow Beast t-shirt. Um, <laughs> and if you don't, I'm sure you're getting one. You've already ordered I've one. I've drawn it myself. Um, you've drawn it yourself. <laughs> uh, what did you think of this reveal? Did you have, you know, obviously, Darcy, you sort of uh, anticipated that this was the Zillow Beast prior to this the moment. Energy, the energy thing gave it, was, it away. That's what it was. That was such a pivotal moment in plot line from that first mm-hmm. beast attack on Coruscant. So mm-hmm. that was like, oh my God, it's happening. And this <laughs> this scene was just like, yes. Absolutely. Such, such fist-raising moments of excitement. It was so good. What did, you, what did you think? It was very much like a kaiju uh, moment. Yes. And I remember that feeling watching the original Clone Wars episodes around the Zillow. Um, but I think it's, uh, it's super exciting because I... I thought I thought we were done with this guy. I didn't think we were going to see a Zillow Beast ever again after after Clone Wars. So I don't know what did, what did you what did the rest of the batches think? Well, my thing is, and correct me if I'm wrong. At the end, they have like they've killed it, the original mm-hmm. Beast. So mm-hmm. I I didn't realize. I mean, I guess that's probably dumb of me that you can clone something that's dead <laughs> and, and get a new <laughs> live one. Um, but I think it's so cool that they're. I mean, they're cloning, but it looks different. I, did they ever describe the fact that they grow from something smaller and not that it's like a baby Zillow, but it doesn't even look the same. Like, it it evolves so much. It did at the end. Like, when it revealed itself through the smoke, I was like, oh. I'm like, we've seen this before, right? And but I, I don't and then remember it, all it ever started. looking like its original form in the Clone Wars. Yeah, that's the thing. I think they did some like 
gene splicing and stuff like that. They're trying to, you know, find a way to manufacture this armor plating or whatever, use its scale. So maybe they were doing tests to try and emphasize the strength of that or maybe the, the harvestability. Like, I'm not sure about that, but clearly they, they, they did some work on that original beast to kind of almost make it stronger this time around. It gave me a lot of vibes of the Demogorgon uh, as well. You know, we mentioned the other influences, but I, I started realizing I'm like, Oh yeah, and like there's the demo demi dog that they have in Stranger Things, and they got all the different <laughs> permutations of the Demogorgon uh, in in that show. So it kind of gave me vibes of that. Um, but I I will say Hemlock mentioned the word assets plural. Uh, is there more than one Zillow out there? And do we get a chance? Can we? Can somebody give us a baby Zillow? We got baby Yoda. <laughs> You know, I just want a baby Zillow. Give us a really cute I, little Zillow that is like a friend of Omega's or I something. I think we already saw the baby Zillow. I think that was that little chunky one that was running around. I think that was, that was, was so baby. That was the baby looking. form? No, that's adolescent form. That's adolescent form. <laughs> Justin, you haven't obviously done your research on the Zillow like I have. Uh, baby Zillows are much cuter. Trust me. No, I was just going to say that second asset that you were mentioning, it's Grogu. It's got to be Grogu. <gasps> I mean, Whoa. like if they're trying to, you know clone him and do all this stuff why wouldn't they have him at this point i mean it makes the most sense and especially if the whole barris off he saved her what what's to say that she wouldn't take him back and sell him for a greater price we know she's kind of not the the best you know hero or savior if you will because she is so you know emotionally unstable i guess if you will uh so yeah i mean that's that was my thought when he said assets i'm like oh are they talking about grogu <gasps> oh oh my god my <laughs> jaw well, was just on the floor <laughs> yeah i i don't <laughs> I, I'm I'm not going to go as bold as saying it was Grogu, but I, I think it just implies that they're they're cloning. You know, there's things that there's other things that, to Nate's point, will probably reveal itself as we get through the rest of the episodes. Um, but I don't know. I I feel like yeah, Meg, you might be right. Like I was just looking at images from from Clone Wars. Yeah, it does look drastically different from what we got it looks a little bit more unless they just refined the animation like the other thing too is that totally. animation from from that time was was, that was season two a, right yeah it's yeah. it was a little bit more you know uh a little more illustrative with, with certain things these feel like they're more they have more dimension they have more mm -hmm. life to them uh and I, I don't think the budget was that big for season two <laughs> as well so so here the budgets are are a little bit more meatier um and i think that yeah i think it could be something like that, but that's interesting if they are if they are gene splicing, like you were saying, Darcy, and if there are other assets, what other things do they have? You know what I mean? Like, like I guess Grogu is one of them, but like, I just would love to know, and hopefully we get to see uh, later if if there if there are more. I'm just saying, and I, you know, I wanted Grogu so badly. I wanted the Bad Batch to be rescuing Grogu. We talked about this before season one, uh, and we were—I was like so wholeheartedly believing that they were the ones somehow that <laughs> found a way to save him or something. Um, but uh, but I listen. You put Grogu in the in the pop moment for your your trailer, uh, much like how we had Palpatine in the pop moment for the season two trailer for this series. You put him in a season three, you know, big stinger at the end of a trailer, dude. Everybody and their mom's getting going on the animation train. <laughs> they're getting on. They're going to watch. They're going to watch all the episodes of Clone Wars leading up to it. They're going to do it because Grogu sells. A lot. He's, he's prints money. That Grogu. Yeah, that's it. Grogu sells a lot. I don't know if it's enough to make people go back and watch and sit through those seven seasons beforehand. They just want Grogu, man. <laughs> I'll just tell them that Grogu is actually in the background of every episode, so they have to try and catch him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. All right. Listen. Let's finish this here. Uh, a few star destroyers appear in the stars releasing their transports uh which is such an awesome shot where they're like mm -hmm. boom boom they move in uh and uh and then you know the, the the they send their transports to commandeer their lost asset uh as the frightened townspeople look on hunter and wrecker attempt to take down the zillow while the imperial ships chase them and destroy the evidence within the abandoned ship uh omega and tech make it out just in time uh and the transports special ray beam is able to subdue the zillow beast which is like okay cool 
cool. You got a rabium. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> taking it into their custody as the Bad Batch is able to make their escape. I guess it makes sense because how would they have, like, if they have other Zillow Beasts, maybe that's how that... Anyways. Um, uh, the Stormtroopers detain the entire village and continue their research of the Beast on board. Back on the Marauder, Tech is going through the information he gathered from the destroyed ship, claiming the cloning operation all began before the Supreme Chancellor became the Emperor. The Empire destroyed the cities on Kamino, not to end cloning, but to control it. Tech sends the data to Echo uh, and Rex to see if they can help, and we, uh, and we leave the crew in an uneasy state. Then, back at Mount Tantus, Dr. Hemlock has secured the creature and ensures all the villagers who saw the Zillow Beast are detained and, quote, dealt with. So they're all dead. Uh, <laughs> he arrives at the loading bay to meet with Lama Su and informs him of Nala Se's unwillingness to comply with orders. With very little sympathy, Lama Su requests freedom if the doctor wants any information from him. Lama Su hints at a, that a particular clone is the key to controlling Nala Se, intriguing Dr. Hemlock into further discussion. So, how do we feel about Lama Su revealing Nala Se's weakness and how do you think the empire plans to use the zillow beasts genetic material in the future llama Sue's a batch (laughs) 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 we knew this from the beginning but like there's always i don't know i feel like there's always sort of been a soft spot for nala say even though she was sort of the rogue one out of all the kaminoans um i don't know i'm a little frustrated i don't think that even Omega will get her to to reveal her like I think somebody's gonna kill Nalise or do you think Whoa. that they'll mm. they'll keep her because she's the only one that really knows how to do this I don't know I'm just saying, I'm just saying you know again with this whole theory that I have with Emery <laughs> being more important I'm not gonna go so far as to say she's like uh, Omega or whatever but like being more important for sure. She's a named character. She's got a New Zealand accent that makes her important. So I think that I think that that yeah, I feel like that that yes, this is absolutely Omega. That Omega is is the key to so much more. And I think it has a lot to do with some of the stuff we were talking about during the mid season of Omega's some sense of force abilities and her Mm -hmm. ability to you know use the force with love and compassion and are they able to harness that or change that in any way i'm just saying i really do feel like obviously with this all leading up to palpy's return that it's got to be you know they've got to bring in some sort of force element into it i don't know but then that would imply that Django and boba are also force sensitive like unless for some reason she sprinkled something into the dna <laughs> to to give to give omega her her uh you know force sensitivities if you will then you know i i could buy that but at, at, if we're just going on the basis of what we know uh, in regards to Django or, or being a clone of Django and Boba, I think she, again, represents the perfect balance to, to create a clone. You know what I mean? Like her genetics is so important. It's probably all the secrets that Nala Se has with her, te- with her abilities and understanding the science of cloning is in Omega, right? And yeah, you know, Meg's right. I think that you know, Nala Se is the, the scientist. Lama Su is definitely the politician and he's going to protect and cover his ass. So I'm not surprised that he's going to he's about ready to throw her and her, you know, obviously someone that's very important to her, like Omega is um, under the bus. So, you know, that he can save his own ass. So, yeah, I'm it's it's interesting because I think that I think that her DNA is super important and that is going to reveal itself uh, sooner rather than later. Well, I wonder, just because of Darcy talking about that splicing and the way that Mm -hmm. they've put two genetics together, do you think Omega was the first one that Nalise did that with? Like, she's because she's a girl, she's obviously not 100% a clone of Django Fett. So who did she mix genetics with? To create Omega, a female, maybe a Jedi, or maybe do we have Grogu? X and y? <laughs> no, <I'm Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but do but don't don't we all have X and Y chromosomes? Yes, 
Yeah. So then, all males have X and Y. Only females have uh, two. But X. how come she's the only female to ever come out of that clone? I think they. Uh, I think they. 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 They, they manufactured that though. Yeah, they, it was they specific. The they only did one yeah. because right? they, they only spliced did one. her with another. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I'm I think they what they did put is in they some spice. I think you know, they, they got some extra spice and. Sh- <laughs> No, but like I Star Wars you, spice and they, they salt bait. You know, you see Nala say salt bang it into, well, the, would be, into the that tube. Would be, <laughs> that would be an interesting reveal to your point, Meg. Like if, if you find out, well, she's not just a purebred of Django's DNA. She's got a little something else, you know, tossed in the in the pot. And for, maybe for, that's for why. Extra force. Yeah. Not only is she like emotionally connected to Nala say because Nala say has obviously kept her as this like assistant throughout her whole life. But so far. But. Maybe she was Nalase's first project of the things that they're trying to do now for the Emperor, and that's why they need her so badly, and that's why Nalase will not give them anything. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Nate's, wow. Nate's just like on that train. His he is, head he is. is like, yeah, I'm, in, I'm on the, the tube, Justin. I'm the on tube. the tube, and <laughs> yeah, the we, are, tube. we are going to Mephisto Town right now. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm all in. Good days. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not surprised that the whole uh, Lama Sioux throwing Nala Se under the bus, that doesn't, you know, it's not surprising at all. But again, the, the importance of Omega is what I think really it boils down to, because if it's a, a pro- she's a project or a product of gene splicing, like Meg's suggesting, or if it's just the fact that like in Star Wars, they like a lot of extended canon stuff. They kind of allude to the fact that people who are great pilots, you know, great shots and stuff like that, are you are know force what, somewhat force yeah. sensitive. And you know, Django being the greatest bounty hunter that he is, that he is, what if could he be is a bit more sensitive to that That's, stuff? Yeah. So, yeah. what if it was more just kind of turning up? The that dial would be on interesting. That, that section. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not. It's not surprising. That would be Again, cool. And that this yeah. episode has me so stoked to see what the future of, of cloning means in Star Wars. Yeah. Because yeah. we're starting to open the doors and see. Why is Omega important past the fact that she's a girl or, you know, uh, an untouched or unaltered clone and that she's aging like a normal uh, kid? So mm. there are so many. I'm so excited. <laughs> Nate's eyes are going to pop out of his head. <laughs> on, on, that, on, those basis, on that basis alone, I think I like the idea that rather than her being spliced with someone else, it, she is just a straight shot, you know, genetic uh, version of Django and Boba. But because she's female, whatever happened, maybe she's they it, it was she's more yeah she's she's more <laughs> force agree. sensitive. She's yeah. more force sensitive. You know what I mean? She's she's more like whereas like Boba and and Django maybe to Darcy's point, they've always implied that great pilots and, and great fighters they they have this inherent you know force sensitivity. Maybe it's just more latent in them. And what they did by cloning her is is kind of exasperated that in this clone. And that's why because yeah they they were definitely dropping some hard ass hints in season one that there was something more to her mm-hmm. than just being a clone like there, there was some like you know some empathy like very much like how we would see ahsoka ask mm-hmm. in, in terms of like interactions and feelings and very very jedi right so yeah yeah i'm just saying dude Yaddle is Grogu's mom, <laughs> and uh, and Ray is somehow related to uh, to to oh from Rogue One. Why am I blanking on her name right now? Jin Erso. Jin Erso. Yep. <laughs> somehow that's her mom. The, it's just I'm going down all the like generic Star family, Wars man. fans <laughs> theories that they put out there, where they're just like, "That's got to be her mom. She's a woman, and she's in Star Wars, <laughs> and Anyways. she has brown hair." She has brown hair. She has a New Zealand accent. Um, so, <laughs> all right. Well, You're making fun of yourself there. Let's get to our final thoughts and overall final score, which for this episode, we're going to be rating it on the scales of one to five unextinct electricity eating Zillow beasts. Maybe you want to write it down. Why do you got to make it so complicated? Maybe you yeah, write it down. I don't understand. Yeah. Could have just left oh, it at beasts. Yeah. <laughs> Unextinct electricity eating Zillow beasts. Megan, I'll have you uh, go first. Absolutely. With an absolutely epic, intense, and intriguing intro, this episode did not disappoint from literally start to end. It led into the realization that Zillow beasts still exist, if not more things being cloned, the opportunities for that and what it means in the future of Star Wars. This episode did so much, not only for the Bad Batch, but for the entire Star Wars timeline, which is so huge. Thank you. Bow down to Dave Filoni. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Always doing the most. And 
I just can't wait to see where they take this. It was an absolutely stellar episode. And like you said, Nate, the moment they bring something from the Clone Wars series in, I'm giving it a five out of five. So this episode <laughs> gets easy. five out of five unextinct electricity eating Zillow beasts. You know what? Everything Meg said is entirely true. I think that from start to finish, this episode was a ride. Uh, it was his own vibe that feels very like genre mixing. Uh, you know, taking Star Wars and bringing in some horror elements and then, you know, halfway through switching into a, a, a kaiju movie, if you will. Giant ass monster just destroying everything. Um, but the best thing about this episode is what seeds it plants narratively for the bigger story. Um, I think that throughout the entire season uh, thus far, we've been getting sort of piecemeal stuff that are more character based. But I think this is kind of like our real big chunk of like something broader that's you know in in the in the sort of star wars universe that's going to have effects that we will see later in other movies and, and stories so it is interesting that we get you know a big a big hit of that here uh at episode 10 um and that i appreciated i think that that at least you know the episodes have been great they've been more adventure and stories and the things that you love about S star wars but here we get this like really meaty uh, narrative element that we can kind of chew on and say like, oh, like we want to see more of that and we want to see where this goes. And in, on, in all honesty, I don't know if they're going to complete it in the remaining episodes. I think that this mm -hmm. is very much a indication that we will get more Bad Batch for season three, you know, if if all if all prevails with how everyone loves this season. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this episode was great. I love the callback to Clone Wars. Uh, I think it was it was smart to to kind of create that reference. The the writing team uh, working with Filoni and working with everyone that would be able to draw in that relevance and and create that 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 connection between that series and here. So smart, very well done. Um, I'm gonna give it a four point five out of five uh, in 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 the scale because I don't know if it's the best episode yet. Because uh, I don't know any of these have been like the best episode. They've been good, like fours and, and 4.5s for me cause, because they're definitely getting a lot right with this season so far. So yeah, I'm going to be giving it a 4.5 out of 5 unextinct electricity-eating Zillow beasts. You almost got it. You almost had it, dude. You were so close. It's okay. So it's okay. Bad. Darcy, Darcy, what did you think of this episode? Yeah. I mean, I'm very much what Meg said, like the, the bringing in Clone Wars in the way that they did this one, tying off this massive storyline that sets up so much going forward. I, I cannot wait. And again, the lighting, the music, the fact that this was such a horror style, you know, story in space, at least at the beginning there. And then it turned into that kaiju movie at the end. I loved every aspect of it. And I, I cannot wait to see how this, you know, grander story plays out if we'll see it referenced in Mandalorian or anything like that going forward. So I am so excited. And this is a strong, strong five out of five unextinct electricity eating Zillow beasts for there me. Because damn, it was so good. There you go. This episode was great. Yeah. Clone Wars references. Kaiju moments. Jimmy motherfucking Simpson. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> absolutely fantastic voice performances. Uh, a continuation of of you know the of Palpy's backup plan uh, thread. You know, like that's that's what it's called now, the Palpy's backup plan. Um, and I hope that's and, their I hope that's their code. Their code, yeah. their file yeah. name, where everything gets stored. So stored on the Palpy, the Palpy server, please. Palpy server. <laughs> um, and uh, well, it's better than a Shmi server or whatever his name is. Um, but uh, but you know, I think. Yeah, the horror vibes, the the is it Shmi or Shay? What's his name? What's his palpy's name? Anyways. Okay, don't get distracted. Keep going. Okay, sorry. Let me keep going here. Is it Shmi? Sheev. Oh Sheev. Sheev. Okay, thank yeah. you. That You're clears it up. The pirate. I don't know what I was thinking of. Shmi. Uh, <laughs> You're Shmi. I am Shmi. Yeah. yeah. Shmi. <laughs> Anyways, the horror vibes. Uh, Kevin Kevin Kiner with the music again. The, the such a great example of what you were saying, Justin. Balancing what feels like a side adventure of the week while pushing the overall narrative. Can we just get all the episodes yeah. like this, please? Give us every episode. Make it no, like but, this, where we get. I listen. One or two side of the mission of the week. That's fine. But but I love the fact that this felt like both an adventure for the Bad Batch mm. and a continuation of the story that we want to see. It wasn't just, 
you know, a character going off and, and that sort of thing. And I get it. Like, again, the, the, the mission, the side week, uh, the, what am I trying to say here? The <laughs> weekly side missions have been great for character development this season. And those episodes have been much better this season than the yeah. first season. But yeah. if I was to pick and, and choose, like, how I want my, my episodes designed, if, if Dave's listening on how I want my Bad Batch burger made, this <laughs> is how I want it made. I want this... This this balance. I, I really wish every episode was like this. So I'm right there with you guys. Five out of five unextinct electricity eating Zillow beasts. I I was at a four point five, but honestly, we did it Dave, again. We did it again. <laughs> <laughs> they did it again. But no. But not only that. But if if you know again, if, if, if anyone from Star Wars <laughs> gets any feedback. It's it's that there should be more like this. So even if in my my mind it's a four point five, in my heart it's a five out of five because I just want them to keep making this delicious blend of Star Wars mm. that we got this week. It was so good, so good. Um, all right, well, listen, that is it for this week's Watch Club uh, for Star Wars: The Bad Batch season two. But listen, Darcy wants to say something else. Darcy, what were you going to say? Sorry. <laughs> Before we go, I just want to shout out to Scorch. We didn't even talk about him. I mean, Republic Commando comes up, and the main character, or one of the main characters in that, is in this episode. Wait, what? Much like last season. Yeah, Scorch. He's the the black helmet, yellow stripe on it. No! He's the one talking to Hemlock. Yeah, man. Whoa. We got Scorch. <laughs> That's Again. sick. We got him last season. Now we got him this season. It's so good. That's sick. Why did I not see that? Darcy, thank you so much. I'm glad we didn't miss out on that. Obviously, we'd had so many people writing in and telling us that we made a mistake. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into your show with your thoughts or predictions and shows we cover in Watch Club, well, listen, you don't have to go down a scary hallway and find a creepy little creature eating some electricity and leaving some goo behind. Uh, and then it grows up to become this big, giant kaiju monster that, that they're going to turn into a Snoke or something. Instead, Justin, can you let our lovely batches know how to reach us by hollow message? Well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. I'm just saying, man, the Zillow Beast has a long neck and Snoke had a long neck. So therefore, if you do the math, what if, Justin. What, Snoke had a long head. What if... <laughs> but what if what if the its ability to contain electricity and use electricity right. is what finds its way from the Zillow Beast into the future clone of, of Palpatine, of Emperor Palpatine? Because I don't know how electricity thing. works. I don't know but how it he, works. But, but he feeds <laughs> but maybe on the, the electricity, electricity is what fi- he, he, he yeah exactly right. You need right? ingredients such a powerful from all these different force, force wielders. You need a little bit of Omega. Get a bit of Grogu mixed in there along with the Zillow Beast, and you've got a palpy. Like you've got a good palpy. <laughs> I think that's how it's done. I think Chef's Kiss. We figured Sorry, it out. We figured know? it out. Um, listen, we also have some interviews out now, like our uh, our interview with the Bad Batch themselves. I got a chance to sit down with D. Bradley Baker, and Justin sat down with the writer of this series, Jennifer Corbett, uh, who hopefully is listening and getting some great ideas from this, uh, and supervising director Brad Rouse. So check that check that stuff out on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Uh, and uh, that is uh, I think that is it. Justin, Darcy, Megan, Thank you so much for joining me for this incredible week of Watch Club. And as we say, good soldiers, follow orders.